This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Amen, amen. Happy Father's Day, C3. Happy Father's Day. And I just want to say, um, on behalf of all humanity, I talked to everybody. They said it's cool to say this. Um, thank you, dads, and we need you. We need you. You are important. You are not replaceable. You are necessary to life. So thank you for the early mornings, the late nights, everything in between, how you sacrifice, how you lead, how you love. I just want to give one more praise for all the dads in the room. Yes. And I, I love dads because I have an absolutely incredible dad. I have the best dad. And one of the things I love about him is he is extremely competitive. Extremely competitive. And if you don't believe me, you just got to watch a Cowboys game with him for about five minutes. And one thing goes wrong and he's ready to disband the whole team, never watch it again. And then next week we're going to watch it and do the same thing over again. But I love how competitive he is. And I think that's one of the many reasons... He is such an incredible pastor. He's competitive. He's competitive for you. He's competitive to reach people and let them know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. And so he's competitive about what's good and what's priority in this life. And as I was thinking about competition and how competitive he is, it's true that as followers of Jesus, we are all to be competitive. And this morning, I want to talk specifically to those of you that would say, I follow Jesus. I have committed my life to following Jesus. So if you're in this room and you, you haven't made that step and you don't believe in God, maybe, and you're just checking it out, first of all, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. And second of all, I think today is a very special day for you to be here because you get a unique peek behind the curtain about what it is to follow God. And so you get a very authentic look at what we get to be a part of. And so today I want to talk about the competition that every single follower of Jesus gets to be a part of. The competition is a daily competition. Every day that we are here on this earth, we are in this competition. And so I want to help equip you today and how to be the best competitor you can be. And when we talk about competition, it's important to note who we're competing against and what we're competing for. You gotta know the details. And so who we're competing against is very simple. The Bible tells us that we have an enemy, the devil, and that's, that's our adversary. That's the person that we're competing against. He, he has one goal, and that is to destroy everything about your life, destroy your future, destroy your eternity. That's his goal, and that's who we're competing against. And if you're like, Nate, you believe in the devil? Yes. All you got to do if you don't believe in the devil is just turn on the news for about five seconds and then you'll realize, yep, he's doing stuff. So we know who our adversary is. Now who, who are we competing for? What are we competing for? We're competing for lost people. We're competing so that every single person that doesn't know Jesus can step into a relationship with him and be saved from eternity in hell, separated from God, but also if they're living in a kind of hell right now so that they can know who their God is and have him in this life through the things that they walk through. That's what we're competing for. And the stakes have never been higher. This is the biggest competition you will ever be a part of. 
So if we're in competition, how do we compete? How do we compete in this competition? I want to give you just a few things this morning on how to be successful. This is like going to a trainer or a doctor, like, tell me what I need to know, okay? I'm a very practical person. I like to know, like, what should I do? What shouldn't I do? Just, just tell me the details. Today, I want to help equip you in that way. So the first thing, the first thing that we should do as followers of Jesus in this competition is we got to be passionate. We got to be passionate. And in and, and Luke, it says this, Luke 19, it says, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. We are followers of God, so we need to follow what God did. And he sent his son with intentionality. Jesus didn't come and just like guess what to do. He was like, maybe I'll just save humanity today. No, it was with a plan and a purpose. So he was intentional and he had a passion for you that he was willing to pay everything so that he could come and be here. So we should keep the same energy that our Savior had, and that is be passionate. Be passionate. But I get it. I get it. It's not like this is the Super Bowl. It's not like this is the NBA Finals or the Bachelor finale. It's not like any of that. But we need to remember what this is. We serve a God who made a way for you to have eternal life. We serve a God who made a way so that you in this life could have purpose and meaning. We have a God who when we call on his name, the devil has to back up and get in his place. We have a God who made a way, and when we worship, our worship breaks the chains of our life. So it might not be the bachelor finale, but it's really good. It's really good. I hope you note the sarcasm in that voice. The pastor said that the bachelor finale is better than the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. It's way better. It's way better. The Bible, the gospel is called good news. So if it's so good, when's the last time you shared it? When's the last time you shared it? When's the last time you told somebody about who God is and what he's done in your life? When's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time your priorities were pushed by your passion so that you were intentional and had purpose in your conversations? When's the last time? Because as followers of Jesus, we should be following his example. So we gotta be passionate. We gotta be passionate. The second thing I wanna tell you is we have to be prepared. We gotta be prepared. In this life, the things we face, we got to be prepared. And 1 Peter talks about this. It says we should always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to who? Everyone. Not just your, your Bible study people, not just your church people, everyone. And isn't it true that sometimes people come out of nowhere and they're like, hey, what do you believe and why do you believe it? And if you're not careful and you haven't thought through it, if you haven't been prepared, You'll just throw something together, maybe some things you heard at church, this or that. And if you don't know why you believe what you believe, you can't share what you believe. So have you ever thought about how, how, how have I come to know Jesus? Have you ever written it down or thought through it? And one of the ways we can be prepared is just that. We gotta know our story so we can share our story. And when we do that, we're able to connect with people because the best thing you have is your story. And if, if you're here and maybe you're like, you got in a comparison trap and you're like, 
my story's not as good as other people. Like, it's not a crazy redemption story. I didn't come back from this, this crazy depth to God and, and all this stuff. But your story is still ex- incredibly special. Whether you were saved at seven or 70, your story is powerful. Because remember what your story is. You were dead in your sin. Your Savior came from heaven and died for you. He defeated death. You had a jail cell in hell with your name on it. And he came and he brought a key and opened it up so you can live an eternal life with him. You want to talk about a story? You have an incredible story. You have an incredible story. So be confident in that. And don't compare it to other people's and and this or that. Like their story is great. Your story is great. So you got to share your story. You got to know your story. But you also got to know, you got to know your God and know the word. That's how you be prepared. You got to spend time in the word of God. And as followers of Christ, we're called to do that so we can be prepared. So I want to ask you, because the Bible is called the bread of life. So how's your diet? How's your diet? I know some of you guys are on like keto and stuff and you're like, I don't do carbs. But the bread of life. How's your diet? Because if all you do is just show up on Sunday for an hour and that's the only time you eat, think about this just in the real world. Like if you were to eat for an hour on Sunday and then not eat again for the rest of the week, how would your life look? How would you be able to function? You'd be foggy, you'd be a mess, you'd be cranky. How would you function? You gotta eat more. Some of you are spiritually starving because you're not eating enough. You gotta prioritize and spend time in the word of God so that you can be prepared. And then some of you, some of you, you eat a lot. You come in, you're consistent on Sundays, you got Bible studies, you got all these things, you know all the verses. You can play the church games. You know all the sayings. You don't need to eat more, you need to move more. Some of us, we're not spiritually starving, we're spiritual gluttons. Because again, following Jesus means what? The word following implies what? Movement. So if, if you're still in your faith and you're not moving, you're not sharing, you're not serving, you're not giving, there's no action behind your faith, all you're gonna do is just eat, eat, eat. Is that helping anybody else? Is there action the way there was action with Jesus? So some of you need to eat more and some of you need to move more. And when I say eat more, I also want to add this um, because sometimes we can have a buffet style faith where it's like, I'm going to pick that and I'm going to pick that. I like that. I like when God says I'll be blessed. I like when he says I'll have eternal life. But you can leave out that whole, uh, I got I to gotta be confident and I got I to gotta stretch myself sometimes and I got to be in conversations with people and I gotta forgive people. Like this is not a pick and choose meal. You gotta eat the veggies too. You gotta eat the things you don't wanna eat too. So you gotta eat more, you gotta move more to be prepared. But in this life we gotta be prepared so that we can stay ready for those conversations, for those opportunities, for those opportunities.
The next thing I want to talk to you about is we got to be persistent. We got to be persistent. And I love it. In, in 2 Timothy, it says this, but you keep your head in all situations and endure hardships. Endurance. Does your faith have endurance? Do you have the kind of faith that you can show up again and again and again? And the good news is, if you're like, Nate, I don't have that, but I want that, the only way to get that is by doing it. Like, there's no shortcuts. So if you want to have the kind of faith that can sustain you through the hard times and hard conversations, you got to eat and then you got to live. You got to be in it. You got to choose it. And so you got to endure. You got to endure so you can be persistent. And I want to specify right here, when I say be persistent in this competition for lost people, I do not mean be obnoxious. I don't mean be obnoxious. I'm not saying get a microphone and stand on a street corner and say, you're going to hell. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Because that's not helpful. I'm saying be persistent in the difficult way. It's easy to stand on a street corner and yell at people that you don't have to talk to, but it's really hard to have hard conversations one-on-one, look people in the face and realize, oh, that's a person. So be persistent, but you got to be comfortably uncomfortable to be persistent. You got to be willing to be uncomfortable. And as I was thinking about this, a couple years ago, I used a Peloton bike for the first time. It wasn't mine. I'm a baller on a budget. Don't start judging me. <laughs> like, I don't got it like that. I borrowed someone else's. And I got on, and there was this lady. She was yelling at me to, to pedal more and turn up the tension. Like, there's this little knob on the Peloton bike that you turn it one way, and it makes it easier to pedal. You turn it the other way. It's harder. And she kept saying, make it harder. And I was like, I don't want to. But I did it. And here's the thing. As we live in this life, in this competition, some of you need to turn up the tension. Some of you, you're kicking your little legs, but you're not going anywhere. There's got to be action and tension in your walk with Christ. So you got to live in the tension. Why do you have to live in the tension? Because when you live in the tension, you go further faster. So maybe the reason that you, you look at your walk with God and you're like, why am I not where I feel like I should be? Are you having hard conversations? Are you being in the tension of your faith? Some of you are walking into offices where you're the only person who believes in God. And you've worked there for years. What is the fruit of you working there? Are people more encouraged since you've been working there? Have they seen Jesus in you since you've been working there? What's the fruit of it? And if not, I'm not saying this to to shame you or make you feel bad. I'm saying this so that you can right the ship. Live in the tension. We got to live in the tension. Our great pastor says all the time, the biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. And being consistent is synonymous with persistence. So we got to show up today. But then we got to show up the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. I'm saying you got you to press till something happens. 
You got to pray till something changes. You got to push till something breaks. You got to say within yourself, no matter what they say, no matter what I feel, I've got a job to do today. So we got to show up. And so the next thing, the next thing, the last thing that I want to give you is this. In this competition, in this competition for lost people, as followers of Jesus, we have to be in partnership. Everybody say partnership. Help me preach. Everybody say partnership. 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 Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. And you see that sometimes in like gyms. You see that in, in, in teams use that. And it's a great camaraderie thing. But to be honest, I think this is perfectly defining the church. Broken people step in here. Crazy people step in here. I know some of you, you guys do a great job of looking like church people. Like, you're crazy. You're crazy too. I'm crazy. And we all come together in our brokenness, in our mess, and we're able to sharpen each other and encourage each other and help each other through those hard times. That's what the church is for primarily. We give God his glory and then we help people. That's what the church is for. And so, how are you sharpening people? And you know what the devil would love for you to do when you fall on your face, when you fall short, when you mess up, because you're gonna. When that happens, he would love for you to isolate yourself. He would love for you to step back and say, you know, I'm gonna stop serving. I'm gonna stop attending. I, need, I just need a, I need a break. I don't, I don't wanna, he would love for you to isolate because they're not gonna understand. They're gonna judge me. And what happens when we isolate because of the truth of this verse, we stop sharpening, we become dull. And when we, when we become dull, we're no longer spiritually effective. So the devil would love for you to just isolate and live in your shame and your guilt. Because he knows what happens if you don't. He knows what kind of world changer you'd be on your street if you don't. He knows how that hardship, that hard thing, that when you walk in the room on Sunday, the special thing that happens when, when someone walks in the room and they've been going through stuff, but they still say, I'm gonna show up. And you see them lift their hands and worship and you're like, how are they here? How are they standing? And that encourages you. That's the sharpening. That's the sharpening. We are called to be in partnership. And not too long ago, I was in Texas for a funeral for my grandmother. And I got asked to be a pallbearer. And all that is is you just help carry the casket. And I did it. And as I was leaving, I, I thought about the fact that, yes, that's a very special thing. It's an important thing to honor the person. But I need those six people that carry the casket I don't need six people later. I need six people right now. So who are your six people that when life is going crazy, they're going to help carry you through it? You find those people right here in the local church. That's the best place to find people. 
And maybe you're like, okay, how do I find the six? How do I determine, okay, this person is in the six? The things we talked about, passion, preparation, being persistent and in partnership. Do they make that easier or harder? That's how you determine if they can be in your six. But we need community. You were not wired to do life alone. And sometimes we got to set our pride aside and say, okay, God, I'm going to submit to this and I'm going to do life with other people. And I want to I say one last thing because I've, I've given you followers of Jesus, you holy people, a lot. I've given you a lot. But I want to give you one thing that you don't got to do. Because, yes, you have your job in this competition, but the one thing you, you don't need to do is be perfect. You don't got to be perfect. There's going to be days where you show up and your passion is not what it should be. And your persistence isn't what it should be. And maybe you, you, you're at the cash register and you're like, I should tell this person about church or I should, I should invite them. I really feel like I should. And then you just don't. Like there are going to be days where you, you don't fulfill this. But understand your job is not perfection. That's God's. That's his job. And we do a great job in our lives of putting God in the unemployment line. Of taking his jobs and taking the things he's responsible for say, no, I can do that. I can handle that. I can manipulate that. But that's when the mess comes. In this life, give God his job back. Put him in the right place, in the priority, and then do your job. It's about partnership. We got to be in partnership with God first. And so maybe you're in this room and you're not in partnership with God. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, I'm going to give God one more shot. I'm going to do this church thing one more time and just sort of see what happens. I don't think it was by accident that you are here today. I think God knew exactly what we'd be talking about, exactly what you're going through. And he wanted to remind you very clearly that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And sometimes, if you're like me, maybe this is just me. When I think about what God has done for me, I'm like, he had to have had some kind of BOGO. There had to be some kind of deal where, like, he was like, okay, I'll take Nate, but I want this, like, super religious person. I want a one-for-one. One. Understand, your worst moment was known to God when he sent his son to die for you. He knew every single mistake that you would make, and he still chose you. He died for the opportunity to save you. And right now, he's knocking on the door of your heart, saying, will you let me in? He's not an oppressive God. He's not kicking down your door saying, you're going to do this. He wants to give you the option. So right here, right now, maybe you're in this room, and you don't have a relationship with God. And this whole message was all about how important you are. And how we as followers of God should do a better job of loving you. And how much our God loves you. So I think it would be absolutely appropriate to end today with an opportunity for you to step into a partnership with God. So if everybody could just bow your head, close your eyes. Nobody looking around but me. If you're here and you want to step into a partnership, a relationship with God, 
and you want to do that today, I just want to let you know one thing. This is not a magical prayer. When you walk out of this room, you're still going to have problems. You're still, still going to have struggles. The difference is you have the God of the universe with you in those things. So if you're here and God's knocking on your heart, you can just repeat this prayer after me. You can say it out loud or you can say it in your heart. Just say this, God, I admit that I have made mistakes, that I have sinned and fallen short of your perfect standard. But God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me so that my sins could be forgiven. And I believe he rose again on the third day, defeating death so I could have eternal life with you. So God, I commit my life to you from this moment forward. And the best of my ability, I'm gonna serve you and serve people. It's in your great name that I pray, amen. Hello, my name is Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us online. If you are in the Central Florida area, we would love for you to join us in person at 9.30 or 11 on Sunday mornings. And if you just prayed that prayer, Pastor Byron would love to know it. You can text 407-487-8311 and he will be praying for you this week. Also, thank you so much for your faithful generosity. If you text C3 Orlando to 77977, you will get all that info and be able to give generously to change lives this week. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great week.